Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I love our pastors. Um, We're going to be in Matthew 9. If you're looking for the verse, starting in verse 35, uh, air conditioning is blowing the wind, the, the holy wind blowing the Bible. Maybe it's God saying, no, preach on this verse. Just joking. Oh, man. But uh, today we're talking about a word uh, called harvest. Harvest. Um, and it is an important word in the Bible. Um, I'm honored to close out the series Yield. It's been an amazing series, and as we close out, we're going to be looking at the word harvest and the season that we're walking into as a church. Uh, us going to Good Friday in the amphitheater and heading into the Easter season, can I encourage you? This is going to be a season of harvest. It will be for our church. And looking at the scriptures and studying this word this week, harvest, I had some big knowledge drop on me. You ready? Ready? Big knowledge. Harvest is the gathering of crops. Big knowledge. But it's actually a really big statement if you think about it. Because in today's day and age, I feel like we have taken the word harvest and somehow twisted it to where we think of it as the consumption of crops. The consumption of blessing where it's like, awesome, we're entering into a season of harvest. I get to sit back, relax, and eat all I want. No, harvest is getting up, going out into the field, reaping the fields, and then bringing the blessing back. You see, harvest prepares our future. And so us heading into Good Friday, it's going to be a harvest of souls. People saying yes to Jesus, coming back to Jesus. Maybe for the uh, first time they're saying yes to Jesus, or maybe they're coming back to Jesus, but it's a harvest of souls. And we get to be a part of that, but can I encourage you, there's some work that needs to be done. And we're all in this together. We have a part to play. Harvest is coming. So let's jump in today into Matthew 9. Um, scriptures talk about harvest all over. I mean, there's a lot of farmers back then. There's a lot of farmers today, but we rarely see them. But there's a lot of farmers back then, right? So he talk, Jesus talks in harvest uh, analogies and, and sowing and reaping all of the time. And there's this really important passage in Matthew 9 that I'm excited to be around. It says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities, say all, all. and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, listen to this, and healing every, say every, every, every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. I find it interesting, the original language in the Greek, that word harassed and helpless, it's one word. It means to be mangled, thrown down, and thrown out. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you're looking for a title today, 
it's this. It is time for a harvest. It is time for a harvest. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are here, that you have already been moving in this place, Jesus. We thank you for what a blessing it is to be able to worship you today. Sing your praises, God. Lord, in this moment, I pray that you would start to work on hearts, Jesus, that you would start to open mindsets, God, and that your word would go out boldly, that the words that come out of my mouth are not my words, Jesus, but they are your words. We thank you for your living word, God, and we thank you that this word is even going out into colonial kids right now, into these little kids' hearts, Jesus. We pray that the word would sink deep and build up the next generation. We love you, Jesus, and we're expectant for all that's ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. So I get two questions every single day of my life. I don't know if you know what it's like to get a question asked every day of your life. Anyone? The first question is this. How tall are you? <laughs> All the time. In the grocery store. It doesn't matter where I'm in. Driving in my car, people rolling down the windows. How tall? Just thinking, that doesn't happen. <laughs> what? I have the same answer every single time. Someone walks up and they say, how tall are you? And I go, how tall do you think I am? <laughs> Just flip it around on them. Man, people do not know how to measure people or length. <laughs> like, some people are like, man, you're 7'4". I'm like, you think I'm over seven feet? Like, I'm, I'm tall, but I'm not a monster. Like, I'm not weird. And I get this question. I'm get, I get this question all the time. If you're over seven foot, I love you so much. I get this question all the time. The other question I get that's kind of paired with that is, hey, you're really tall. Do you play basketball? <laughs> Which I say, wow, you're really short. You play mini golf. <laughs> and they get offended, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're just, we're doing the same thing here. We're talking the same language right now. But people ask me all the time if I play basketball, and the answer is, what I say is no. But I'm actually lying. Because there was a short period of time in my life, 11 years old, when I was on the Bend, Oregon Heat. The Heat. Man, I mean, that's like full-on bull cut, stick a bull around the head, cut straight across. It was the 90s, or it was the early 2000s, actually, at this point. But the heat, it's kind of funny that I'm wearing a heat, like, jersey. I lived in Oregon, and I, I'm wearing a heat jersey. It doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like that's a miracle in itself. But I played basketball for a short period of time, and I don't like to think back upon it because what I remember about playing basketball is running up and down the court from hoop to hoop to hoop to hoop and passing my dad, who was the coach, sitting right there, and being like, oh, send me up. Uh, send me out, and then play the game. Come, send me out. Send me out. Send me out, please. Anyone else play basketball like this? That's this is how I play basketball. I do the best I can, then I'm like, please send me, sub me out. And he never would. And I got every game. I played 100% of the game. And I'm like, why? Even today, like a couple of weeks ago, I was asking the question of myself, like, why would he never sub me out? You know, like, why am I always in the game? And I went to Oregon with my wife, and we were looking through some photos, and I came across a photo that explained it, and it, all of everything clicked finally, and it's this photo here. <laughs> the Heat, team of five. <laughs> to play basketball, you need five people. So no matter what 
no matter what I said to my dad, running up and down the court, back and forth, he was just gonna be like, no, you're staying in, bro. Like, <laughs> it's the only way we can win this game. He was, that's what he was doing. But I was thinking about this and how, how funny it was, but really, this is such a good picture of what it's like in Harvest. Because here's the thing, everyone has a job. You have a part to play, if you realize it or you don't. And sometimes we can be in the middle of a harvest season either sitting on the sidelines or asking to be subbed out, when in reality, we need you. Jesus needs you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life in this season. And this whole message today, if there's one thing I hope you walk away with, it's the understanding that there is a purpose and a plan for you in this season. You have, you have a purpose. It's time for a harvest. So the question is, how are we going to play the game? I love the perspective that Jesus had on the harvest season. Look at this parable that he told in Mark 4. When I read this earlier this week, my jaw hit the floor. It says, and he said, Jesus, the kingdom of God is like a man who should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises at night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. He does not know how. God brings the increase. God brings the increase. It goes on, it says, the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, when it is harvest time, look at these next two words, at once. At once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The harvest has come here today. It is time to reap a harvest, to gather souls. That's what Good Friday is about. It's about reaching them and for Jesus. And there's a tendency for us, I think, to sit around and enjoy the view of the crops. A harvest is not meant to be admired. It's meant to be gathered. It's a little confronting, but if I can encourage you, there's purpose for you in this harvest. There's a job for you. There's a part to play. So then the big question of this whole entire sermon is this, what can I do? Maybe you can write that down. What can I do? Today I want to share three things that we can do to see the harvest in our world. When I'm talking about seeing the harvest, I'm talking about revival in St. Augustine. Three things we can do to see revival in St. Augustine. Are you ready? The first one is this, believe in the harvest. Believe in the harvest. We never graduate from simple belief, ever, ever. My wife and I, we recently um, picked up racing cars. Uh, not, we don't race. <laughs> We're not racers. We have enjoyed watching F1 racing, yes. right? Any, any other people out here watch F1 racing? couple of people. If you don't, it's, I thought I would never watch racing in my whole entire life, but man, this, this sport is fascinating. So let me just put it in context for you. They're in cars that have no protection going over 200 miles an hour, and like, I mean, there's, there's 20 of them on the track at the same time. It's crazy to watch, but all this to say, um, there's 20, like I said, 20 racers in a year of F1 racing. There's 20 spots on the car. We live in a planet of almost 8 billion. And the people who have made it to this point in F1 racing are 20. They are the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. 
And we were watching this story of one of these young men, because they're all really young, most of them, um, this young man who's racing, and he got on a team. He signed a contract for multiple years, and then he started winning, doing great. Listening to, you have a coach in your ears when you're driving. They're, they paired really well together, and he was telling them what to do, and he was listening. He's like, awesome, this is great. But then the last year came, and there came a point in his career where he needed to re get re-signed to continue on. And he thought to himself, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to take it into my hands, and I'm going to prove to, my, to the people all around that they should re-sign me. And what happened is, is he stopped believing in the, the, what his coach was telling him in his ear when he was driving. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do it my own way. And slowly but surely, this whole year, he starts crashing more and more. And he starts, uh, like, he was okay. He didn't, like, not a crazy crash. But he started not finishing. And then he started not getting points for his team. And all of the sudden, at the end of his year, he's made a complete just mess of his F1 career. And he didn't, doesn't get re-signed. And he gets taken out. All because he stopped believing what his coach was saying. And it reminded me that we never move past simple belief. See, he forgot all of the good advice. He forgot all of the victories that he had, all of the good calls from his coach listening to him, and instead said, no, I got this. We don't got this. <laughs> Remembering what he has done will always keep us focused on what's to come. That's why I love communion so much, is because we're listening to what God has done, focusing back in on, God, this is what you did for me? I don't want to move past this moment. I want to simply believe. We never graduate from simply believing. If we are to see revival in St. Augustine, can I encourage you? We need to once again go back to simple belief. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe that you came. I believe that you died, that you rose again. Jesus, I believe that you have called me to this, whatever this is for you. Jesus, I believe that the harvest is ready. I love that the disciples Jesus told the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But this just came off of Jesus looking out at the crowd and say, seeing them mangled, thrown down, and thrown out. So everything to Jesus, he's saying, okay, it's time for a harvest. But in my life, I don't know about you, I want things to look perfect before I go out and do something, right? It's like the easy time to invite someone is when all the stars align and they come up to you and they're like, so I know you go to church and I've been thinking about it a lot and uh, can you just tell me just a little bit about that? You're like, yes, I got this, right? All the stars aligning. But Jesus saw all of the hurt, broken people out in the world, the things that didn't look right and said, no, now's the time for harvest. So often we can look at our world and point the finger and say, it is falling apart. We need to do something about it. But we need to stop fixing the world and start saving the world, bringing Jesus to the world. That's what we're called to do. When we look out and we see a world that's falling apart, instead of saying, you know, they should have done this better, they should have done this better, what we need to start doing is sharing Jesus, doing what we can to walk out our front door and be like, you know what, God, show me someone to tell about your goodness today. I believe, even though things look crazy, that today is a time for harvest. Man, what would it look like if when it looked bad, we expected his best as a church? Let's raise our belief this morning. Harvest starts with simple belief, and St. Augustine is ready. It is ready. Are you?
So where's your belief this morning? You might be in here today and you're like, you know what, I'm struggling with belief. I hear you, it's a real thought. Like, man, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. Can I ask you a question? What have you seen God do in the lives around you recently? We say something in the exchange fairly regularly and it's this, faith builds faith. Faith builds faith. Romans 1.17 says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. From faith, for faith. You see, when I share my story of what God is doing in my life, it's not just for me. It's for the people around. You following? So the miracle of God in your life is not just for you. It's for them. So if you're sitting in here and you're struggling with belief, can I ask you just to take a step out of your comfort zone and ask someone, hey, what is God doing in your life right now? Like, I need, I need some faith. I need some encouragement. And if you are one of those people in this place and you got faith to move a mountain, Amen. Share your story. Start telling people your story. They need to hear. There's stories in this room, in these seats right now that need to be heard. People need to hear what God is doing in your life. That's what Acts, that's what happened in Acts. Like if you look back at the disciples when they first started the church, Acts was just a bunch of people doing a bunch of miracles and getting together, praising God and sharing their story. Wow, I remember when Jesus did this. I remember when he did this, and he did this, and he, do you remember when this happened? That's what built the church in the very beginning. And somehow we can, in, in our comfortableness, we can get to a place where we're like, all right, I can just stop sharing. Don't stop sharing. Look at the story of the woman of the well. We all know this story well, and if you don't, it's a good one. Look it up. Um, but we make it about the salvation of the woman so often which is a great part of that story, but even more so, it's about the salvation of the city. Listen to this, John 4, starting in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town, so the city that the, that the woman was from, many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, to him, they asked him to stay with them. This is so important. People are going to come to Good Friday on April 15th, and they're going to ask Jesus to stay with them because of what God is doing in your life. It goes on. It gets even better. It gets wilder. And he stayed there for two days. He ended up staying. And many more believed because of Jesus' word. They said to the woman, the town. So the town went back to the woman, the person who told them the story. You ready for this? It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Man, think about people coming back to you saying, you told me this story about God doing this in your life. It's no longer because of that that I believe. It's because I've seen it for myself. That's what happens when you share your story. So we need to... Her, let me just say this. Her belief was the breakthrough for that whole city. Your belief could be the breakthrough for this city. It can. We need to believe in the harvest. It's, it's now. Now is the time for harvest, entering into the season. Point two today is this. We can believe for the harvest, and we can pray for the harvest. When I was younger, I had a, kind of a problem with arson. Um, <laughs> Hard change, but 
I walk around my neighborhood in my heat jersey, which, <laughs> did you realize, I just, this just hit me. This just hit me. The jersey that I'm wearing isn't even a jersey, it's a t-shirt. Like I'm wearing a, a I'm playing basketball on a t-shirt. Anyway, um, I'm walking around in my heat t-shirt with my magnifying glass, setting fire to all the ant homes that are around and committing in my mind what was arson. But I couldn't get this picture out of my mind while message prepping, and I didn't know why. I was like, why do I keep thinking about me going around with a magnifying glass burning ants? You never forget the smell of ants, by the way, burning. Like, you never. Some of you guys know. It's true. It's true. But for some reason, I couldn't get this out of my mind, and I felt like, God, what he was saying to me is this is such a good picture of prayer. And I was like, how? <laughs> how? And he started to show me, like, the sun up above is beaming down from heaven full on. And it never stops pouring out its power into the earth. And here we are with a little instrument called prayer that is focusing that power down into a part of our lives and inflicting change, yeah. inviting change into that place in a flame ignites. And it's such a cool picture of we have a God who is above everything. He's up there pouring out everything to us. Everything we've received has come from him. And he's pouring out his goodness, his grace, his love, his mercy, his power. And we are up, that we are here down on earth and we have this instrument of prayer that we're able to say, okay, now here, now here, now here, Jesus, come here. I need you here. And what would happen if we as a church started to inflict prayer or change into our life, godly change with prayer? There's change that happens. Prayer is powerful. Did you ever realize that before Jesus even sent the disciples out, because that's what he was doing when he turned to them and he said, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, and then right after that, he sends them out, and they go start healing people and stuff. But before he sends them out, he says this to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, in Matthew 9, 37, 38. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into the harvest. You see, we can do church well, personal relationships well, we can go out and share, we can invite people, but we'd be missing the point if we don't invite Jesus into it. There's such a power of inviting God into what you're doing, and I say all this today because I want you to realize that before Good Friday, before the first notes played, before the first word is preached, before anything happens, we can invite change into that place. What would it look like if the church decided to pray every day, the next 12 days leading up to Good Friday, if we in this room decided, you know what, we're taking an oath, we're doing it. We're praying every day for Good Friday. What would it look like if all of us took our little magnifying glass and started to focus it on the amphitheater on Good Friday? What would happen is on Good Friday, people would walk into a bonfire, that place that is ready for the Spirit of God, that is ready for people to encounter the Spirit of God, that's ready to enter into relationship with Jesus, there's power in prayer. There's power in you partnering with Jesus, what he's already doing. Man, so this Good Friday, can, can we go back to the basics? Pray for the harvest. Let's not get so focused on extending an invite that we miss inviting God to it. So I want to give you really practical, there's a couple of practical things in this message, but this one is important. Three things that you can pray for. 
for Good Friday. So I think it's important that we all pray for the same things. The first thing we can pray for is for pastors Matt and Jill. They have the weight of the city on their shoulders right now with this event of what's happening. And I think it's so important, like I said earlier, that we were behind them. And we're praying health, we're praying safety, we're praying that God will inspire them, that God will use their words. God will lift up their arms when things get heavy and surround them in prayer and start to encourage them because they have, they're leading this charge with Jesus. You know, like Jesus is leading the charge and they're right behind. It's a big weight. So I want to encourage you to pray for Pastors Matt and Pastor Jill. And the next thing is the health of the team. Just that the team is healthy, built up, ready to serve. And the last thing, one of the most important is that our city knows Jesus. Pray for salvation. God, I pray that St. Augustine on April 15th comes to know revival in Jesus' name. That many people come home to know you, enter into a relationship with you. The word um, pray earnestly is a Greek word uh, in the Bible that Jesus used when he commanded the disciples to pray. It's a word, you pronounce it dato mahi, which is crazy, but it's, it sounds good to say, feels good to say. It's one of those phonetic words that feel good to say, you know what I mean? Anyone? No? You guys are like, okay, that's, that's okay. For me, I heard one time that the, the most phonetically pleasing sentence is a cedar cellar door. I'm like, cool. <laughs> the more you know. Anyway, dato mahi, it's this word, pray earnestly. When you go back to the Greek and you translate it, it means to besiege in prayer or to have a conviction deep in your bones of prayer, do you need a greater conviction about prayer today? Do you? If you do, can I encourage you, if you're struggling with prayer in your life or it's not something that you normally do, I want to encourage you to do two things. The first thing is just to start praying. It's simple. Prayer is simply talking to God, opening your mouth, and it doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to be honest. God, this is how I'm doing. This is what's going on. Just start praying. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do is we have these little slips that I'll show you at the end of the service. Um, they're out in the lobby. They're prayer request slips. If you're struggling with praying yourself, can I encourage you to write prayer requests down on, like, for the next four weeks. Just be like, you know what? Every week coming in the next four weeks at church, I'm going to write down a prayer request. No matter how big, no matter how small it is, because week in and week out, we see people's lives radically change. We see those prayer requests go from requests to praise reports every week. And it's powerful. And if you need this, know the power of prayer in your life. Having people rally around you to say, okay, now here in this person's life is so powerful. So I want to encourage you to do that. So let's, as a church, believe in the harvest, pray for the harvest, and point three tonight, I preach at night, so I say tonight all the time. Point three ten, this morning, today, is this. Go to the harvest. Go to the harvest. The thing I love about Jesus, one of the many things, is that he did everything by example. He encourages us to not be tempted. And he himself was tempted and cast off temptation. He encouraged the disciples to go out, and this came off right off the tail of Jesus going on a, a complete crazy healing spree. 
like, the thing that the disciples went out and did in Matthew 10 was just an example of what Jesus did just before that. See, in chapters 8 and 9, like I said, I mean full-on healing spree. So many people healed. This is like Jesus in his prime. Look at this, chapter 8. These are all the people that he heals between chapter 8 and 9. Ready? Heals a man with leprosy. Then he heals a centurion servant from being paralyzed. Then he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Then he heals many that were oppressed by demons. I don't know how many is, but many is a lot. Heals many people struck with sickness, and then he calms the raging sea, which is not healing, but it's pretty dope. Then he heals two more demon-possessed men. Double heal. Then goes on to chapter 9. You ready? That's all chapter 8. Chapter 9, heals a paralyzed man on a stretcher. Heals a woman with the bleeding. Raises a little girl from the dead. Heals two blind men, another double heal. And then heals a man that is unable to speak from birth. And it's in this moment where he's just healed all of these people, where he stands up and he looks out at the crowd and it says that he has compassion for them. And the word compassion in the Greek literally means to have guttural pity. He is so deeply moved by the crowd. They still need help. And it's in this moment where Jesus, it's a, it's a turning moment in the gospel. He, he's been healing the many and focused on the many. And then from this moment on, he changes almost his whole ministry to focus on empowering the few, the disciples. And he's in this moment turns and is just says, in my human body, I can't be everywhere at once. But I can empower these people to go along with me. And in Matthew 10, 5, it says that he sends out the disciples. And he has sent us out here today. And there's so much power in that word, sent out. I'm going to read you a, a commentary that I was reading Stick with me, it's a little long, but it's so good. About this word, send out. You ready for this? It says, the need remains as urgent as ever. With billions who have not heard the gospel or seen it implemented holistically. The urgency is also found in the words of Jesus. The words sent out. It's from the Greek word ekbalo, which is translated to mean thrust out with authority. This is the same word that Jesus would use when he casted out demons. Think about casting out a demon, how much authority and power is in that moment. This is the same word, the same thing. After he is moved with compassion, he turns to the disciples and he sends them out. Most of the time we think that we're sent. Okay, God, I'll go do what you want me to do. God's like, no, let's go. Let's go out into the harvest. The harvest is ripe. The corn's there. It just needs people with the sickle. You see, we're in the fields and we're the workers. And sometimes we need a fire lit under our butt to get out of the comforts and to get out into the world. And so if you need a fire lit, lit can I encourage you? This is your fire. Let's get out there. Let's go meet our city because St. Augustine is ready for harvest. Are we? I love St. Augustine dearly. It's an amazing city, but it's broken and it needs Jesus. And I find myself so often getting comfortable inside the house looking at the harvest. Man, I want to get out there. 
I want to get amongst it. That's why we need the community of people to encourage each other. Man, have you invited anyone to Good Friday coming up? Have you invited anyone to Easter asking each other this? You see, because Good Friday, we get it, it is kind of for us, but it's more so for him and it's for them. And the city needs Jesus, which means the city needs you. You have a part to play. You have been sent. St. Augustine needs what you have. We can't all do it on our own, but we can do something. So I want to encourage you to be praying for um, those three things, but also personally be asking God, like, what is my part personally? Because I think he wants us all to believe, pray, and go out. But at the same time, I think that there's personal things that he's put on your life for the season that we're in. And praying for that can be so powerful. So will you stand with me? We're gonna just take a moment and we're gonna pray for St. Augustine. We're gonna pray for Good Friday. But we're also gonna pray for one more thing. We're gonna pray that God brings people to your minds and into your worlds that we can be reaching out to, that we can be telling about Jesus, that we can be inviting to Good Friday. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are such a good God. That you are like the sun shining down from above on us constantly, pouring out your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your provision. God, and right now as the sun's beating down on St. Augustine, Jesus, I pray that you would just start to change people's hearts. People that would that we think are too far, God, I pray that you would bring them close in Jesus' name. People that are struggling, feeling like there's not a place for them in this city, God, I pray that Jesus' name would capture them. God, and in this place, I pray that you would send us, send us out, out into the harvest, Jesus. Show us who, Lord. I pray that there would just be Uh, pictures of people in people's minds right now, God, of people that we can be reaching for our city, Jesus. That you're putting on our hearts to pray for and also reach out to you, Jesus. And I pray that these people, as they come to our minds, even now feel the presence of the Holy Spirit calling them home. We thank you for your power and that you're moving in this place, Jesus. And we are expectant for what's ahead. Not just Good Friday, Lord, but everything after the blessing after, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's feel this in worship. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.